Welcome back, my friends, to this week's episode of Living Well While Living Online, a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studios. I am your host, Tammy Riley, and this week I am really looking forward to sharing someone who I thoroughly enjoyed having conversation with, Simon Paul Sutton, who is the curator of this incredible book, Self Love Now. So I'm really hoping you will broaden your spectrum of what self-care means and really dive into this conversation with us about self-love and how that really emanates and radiates through everything that we do. And in full disclosure of this week's episode, Simon and I get really down deep about adult self-love. So just in case there's any little ears around, thank you for tuning in. And I'm really excited to share this week's episode with you all. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of Living Well While Living Online. I'm Tammy Riley, your host, and I'm really excited to introduce you to, and also myself, to author uh, Simon Paul Sutton. And I was introduced to Simon via his book, which I would hold up, um, and I am holding up even though you can't see. It's called Self Love Now. And I was just so attracted to the title, obviously, with all of the conversations we've been having and the work I do. And I took a chance to reach out. Simon and I have not met. We do not know each other. We are not on the same continents at the moment. And, uh, and he so kindly said yes to the conversation. So Simon, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, of course. Um, I would love for you to just give our guests a little overview of you, your work, what what you do, and then maybe a, a little brief thing about the book. You don't have to get too crazy, but I'll just say that one thing that really stood out as I looked at the cover, it is 54 answers to the same question. Mm. So that's pretty cool right there. Just Yeah, yeah beautiful. So you want you want to know how I went on this quest of self-love first, in essence. Sure. In essence was, yeah, really that deeper inquiry of, you know, who am I? What am Mm -hmm. I? And which, you know, many get to ask that question. Some do it with some level of uh, integrity and go on a deeper inquiry. And if you're willing to do that, it takes you on a path that you, uh, of course, have no clue what it's going to uncover. And um, in 2007, I kind of talk about these node points because it never happens just as we often remember it. You know, we say, oh, we had this moment and it was like, oh, everything changed. And, you know, it doesn't really work like that. Great for marketing and great for telling a story. But, you know, over a number of years of self-inquiry, reading books and so on, I started to have some key moments of awakening or epiphany, if you will. And 2007 was one of those. And 2007, I met a woman, a beautiful being who came into my world and rocked my world. And maybe she didn't realize the catalyst that she would be. But in based on the journey I was on and meeting her, I kind of got to taste a sense of, of really this love that many talk about and write about and, and um, you know, create all, all manner of books, poetry and so on from. And, and I, I, I feel that in my interpretation of that I got to taste this uh, this unconditional love and it mm. wasn't just an unconditional love for her or or even it was it was an unconditional love for for myself for for every for every and from it being for myself first and foremost I got to see what that would feel like if I observed the world without the filters of judgment Ooh. yeah wow that is that is really powerful. And removing the judgment is not an easy thing, right? There's so many stories that our brain has. There's so many habits and patterns. And so how was that? Was that? I mean, I, I mean, I'm still, I'm still in that process, right? That's the, that's the beautiful thing. So, so, I mean, of course, you have these moments of epiphany that you hear many people talk about, which are very beautiful, and of course, I like I like to liken it to this wonderful book I read once called After the Ecstasy, the Laundry. So so what happens is that you have this ecstatic moments, and I've had many, I'm you know, can thankfully say I've had many of them. And then after that, they they show you then what needs cleaning. So mm. we think there's this epiphany moment and then everything is just, you know, rainbows and unicorns. It's like, well, no, okay, in order for me to get a sense of 
being in that state of love, I now know what needs to be cleaned in my the fabric of my makeup for my false belief systems, to my programming, to my judgments, expectations, conditions, my resentments, my my pain body, if you will. And then I need to know how to see that with eyes of love. So when I get these uh, um, these senses of closure and contraction and and the ideas of separation, I can go, oh, I know what to do now. The, the little part of me needs my love and awareness. The little part of me needs to be nurtured. The little part of me needs to be reminded that it's not separate. And um, and that's really where they, that's that's when it starts to get really really playful and beautiful. But before that. Just want to give you your your listeners a little backstory. You know, I grew up in a very in, in a harsh, harsh environment. I was a criminal at a young age, a drug dealer at a young age, and I did a sh- very short time in a remand center for nine weeks at the age of eighteen for theft. Mm. Um, so f- coming out of that journey and that density of vibration and frequency, that took a number of years. I became a professional actor as a as a drive of of wanting to free myself and be famous and be somebody. And then through that process of 12 years of striving to be an actor, I had the epiphany that that actually love wants to kick me somewhere else. And it doesn't want to follow the egoic path of me, me, me. It wants me to walk in this path of service of we, we, we. <laughs> and you're not even French. <laughs> And I even got like, if any of your viewers can watch today, I've got oh a funky gosh. French hat on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So you said so many things. One, the first, like that realization of when you fall in love, whatever, whatever that love is, the quote unquote, and you do expect everything to be rainbows and unicorns. Like that is what we've been led to believe, right? That in that moment when that happens, everything else falls into place and it's magic. And then we know as we grow up and, and uh, you know, part of adulting is realizing that that's not a truth, that, you know, that rainbows and, rainbows and unicorns can't exist alone. Like they can be there in those moments, but it comes with all the laundry. I love, I love that idea. And that, uh, man, and that's not easy, right? Because that's where the work is. Yeah, and that and, and and actually that that leads us beautifully in. So so the so when we have that realization, the sense of bliss, joy, exuberance, aliveness, um, or seeing a sense of wonder, that's actually my default state now. So it is possible, but our default state prior to that awareness is fear, anxiety, separation, shame, guilt, and so on. So over these last sort of uh, several years, let's say 10 years, we're longer now, right? It was like 2008, 9, 10. Yeah. So we're sort of like over these last 12 years, it's been a kind of, what's that word uh, when something's moving back and forth? A pendulum, right? Mm. It's, it's a pendulum moment, yeah? Where you're going, okay, here's a taste of this, how it can be. Oh, here I'm swung straight back into how it has been. Here's a taste of how it can be. Oh, I'm swung back into how it can be. But through what I love to call blissipline, not discipline, but blissipline, right? When I implement my dedication to my personal practices, to meditation, to looking at the world with eyes of wonder, then after a while, that blissipline really does lead to, words can only point there, but the real sense of feeling, not a concept of, of bliss of being alive of being in and actually for you tammy the best word to describe this for maybe people to get a grasp of it is a deep sense of gratefulness of gratitude Mm -hmm. and and in that gratitude for literally everything that i've experienced up until the this point for everything this just becomes this appreciation and and then you might have heard the saying that whatever we appreciate appreciates Wow. Oh my gosh. I'm writing a lot of notes right now, just so my, <laughs> my listeners know. I'm like, my mind is being blown because I love Blissipline. <laughs> that's genius. I'm stealing that. I will totally give you credit, but I'm no, no, no. Don't give me don't, make, don't give me credit because I picked that up along the way. Just give that, okay. give that credit to the Bliss Angels. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we'll pass it along. We'll keep spreading that. Um, <laughs> But gosh, yes. And I love how you've already brought in the the concept of gratitude and gratefulness and how important and relevant it is. And, and your specific point 
we sometimes are grateful for the good stuff and we forget to be grateful for all the other stuff. But those right. are the teachers, right? And you said everything up to this point. And, yeah, and that really. is really important. Yeah, everything. And actually, when we dive into the greater awareness of who we truly are, there is no right, wrong, good or bad. And this is a big one. This is a big one, especially, trust me on this, this is not a, you know, unicorns bypass of the spiritual journey, because it can, there's, there's a lot of spiritual bypassing that can happen, you know, ah, oh, it's all good. You know, listen, there's a lot of atrocities that happen on this planet. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of unconscious acts. There's a lot of you know, density. I don't even want to call it darkness because darkness is also beautiful. Darkness is beautiful. We've kind of condemned the darkness, right? We're like, oh, darkness is bad. There is no light without darkness. We, darkness is beautiful. The shadow is beautiful. But the thing is, we've condemned these parts and we say, well, we just want to be in this light. We just want to be in this love and light, right? And the thing about the love and light, it doesn't, it doesn't function without the shadow and the dark, right? That's just, it can't function. So what happens right. is there's actually, Tammy, as a maturity happens, there's an integration there's a full embodiment of the wholeness of our being. And the wholeness of our being is I am who I am in my wholeness because of the shadows and the density and the challenges yeah. that I've walked. Yeah, yeah. That's, I agree. I've, I follow a few um, people and I have been working on this myself, on embracing the shadow side of yourself that we try to run away from or deny exists because we think we're flawed or it makes us bad people and being able to sit with that piece and acknowledging that, you know, again, it's the yin and yang of the universe that, that, you know, we can be good people and still have these, these flaws. We all have them, right? We all have the darkness. So yeah, it's beautiful. gosh, it took you, you know, like in 10 minutes, we've unpacked some really epic stuff <laughs> already. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> And and I and I feel that and I and I love that you're yeah I love that you are actually uh, willing to unpack this stuff because if we want to see any real evolution of our species then for me the inner self inquiry and when I say um, this word of 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 real in, integrity yeah like like not just skirting reading one spiritual book and going oh yeah I I think I've got these concepts down I mean like. Self-inquiry is you've got to face it all, yeah? You've mm. got to face the full, mm-hmm. you've got to face the full responsibility of it all. You have to face the tyrant inside you, the 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 killer inside you, the one that's at war inside you. You've got to face the one that does the rapes, the murders. You have to face that inside yourself. Because that aspect is inside all of us. That's why there's a collective, that's why it's happening on the outer. Anything that we're seeing on the outside of ourselves is a collective manifestation of that which is inside of us. It, it can only be because it's had to be created from within. Everything's created from within. If you look, if you think about this computer that me and you're talking on, that microphone or the clothes you're wearing, a human, let's call it just for the conversation's sake, a human being had an idea to create that microphone, right? It was something inside them. They picked it up. They started to think about it. Maybe they picked that information up from the the outside consciousness of, you know, that's floating around, we bring it inside and then we have a vision and it comes out, right? Everything comes from that place. So if we don't go inside and start to face all of the collective violence inside of us, there ain't no real change happening on the outside. And the beautiful thing is, just to finish this little little caveat, is once you do the work on the inside of this, of this level, of this velocity, and I'm doing it daily and still am, then actually what you look out and see is you only see the wonder and majesty of everything. <laughs> it's just like, it's mind blowing. It's a trip. <laughs> so, so it's the idea of, of like the mirror, right? So what you're seeing is the mirror of what's inside of you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and just to say, cause people, people listening, they might go, yeah, that's a great concept, but actually no, I'm seeing violence in the world. I'm seeing a war right now and children are getting killed right now. And dolphins are getting hacked to death. Whales are getting hacked to death. There's a lot of violence. Yes. And I agree. And I, and I, and I meditate with this every day and I feel it and we're all interconnected. But when we don't say them and us and point the finger at who's doing it and look at how we can purify and refine ourselves so that that doesn't happen. Even Tammy, even on the slightest little bit of violent communication that we spit and project and shame onto our loved ones, onto ourselves, on the way we put ourselves down and judge and condemn. Mm. You see what I mean? 
This yeah. is where this is when we talk about self love. So we got we like to go. Oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not killing children. I'm not. I'm not pillaging the uh, this country or this country. I'm not doing that. No, but you vote for the people that are. Mm. Again, so <laughs> it's like blowing my mind. But I, so I work, you know, I work with students on campus. I work with a lot of people. I am in the health and wellness industry. And so much of what you're saying are things that um, I guess I've tried to bring up in different ways. And one of the things that you were just referencing is that idea, you know, of how, of how you're the ripple, right? So I used to teach this class and we called it, can yoga change the world? And it's not like, oh, you're going to get on the mat and do warrior one, right? Because that's what people envision warrior, right? The, I mean, a yoga as the pose, wow. but it's when you are in this relationship with yourself, when you're loving yourself, when you're caring for yourself, that's the ripple, right? So so in order to, you know, yes, you're not going out doing the violence, but if you're not kind to yourself, you're perpetuating that and you're a part of that. So so being kind and starting within yourself is how you do start to change the world, right? It has to start within yourself. Yeah, beautiful. And 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 if everyone everyone's listening, take a take a beautiful breath because what Tammy just said, it sounds too simple for the program mind to allow in. It's, right. it's too simple. It's like, it's like, like I always say to people, uh, Tammy, I, okay, you look out, you look at the people you don't like or the situation you don't like. And we always like, oh, I wish they would change. Right. I mm. wish they would change. Oh, I can see his behaviors abusive. All he has to do is practice MVC or all he has to do is like be kind. Right. And the key is, we can't, like how difficult it is. I don't know if you've got children or if anybody listening has got children. Like how difficult it is to get others to change or to do something. But the beautiful thing is it's so much easier to work with the one person that you're with 24 hours of, of the day. <laughs> it's so much. But, the, but the, the irony is, and this is the little, the, the little irony that plays out all the time, is that we don't want to change. Like change is the only constant, but we instinctively avoid it. So change is happening all the time, but we resist it. And why do we resist it? We resist it because whenever we change, it's very scary to change. And whenever we change, you're going to love this part. We have to die. And what is the one main thing that humans are scared of? The, the, not the one main thing, but the, the one of the, the, the top 10 is like number one is the fear of death. Right. Right. So change actually correlates to death. So when you say to somebody change, you're actually saying to them, could you die for me? Yeah. And, they, and everything in their nervous system, everything in their whole being goes fight, flight or freeze. The nervous system goes into the red zone and they have no clue what to do. They either freeze, fight or they run a mile. So when we come along and go, yeah, just love yourself. Let's just rewire ourselves. This is going to be great. You're actually saying, hey, it's time to die. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's so true. And I guess I haven't thought of change in that way. But again, I'm going to go back and go to yoga. And, you know, if you've taken a yoga class, we traditionally end yoga with Shavasana. What is Shavasana? It's corpse pose. It's death. Exactly. So, right. So at the end of every yoga class, one of the things that I talk about, it, it is a death. It's the death of the old you. And the reemergence, right? The rebirth. So every time you have this change, every time, which now I'm going to say change, every time you have this shavasana, it's you're reborn and you you get to start over and have a fresh start and a new look. My uh -huh. whole body is vibrating, right? My, I've got tingles in my arms. My hairs are on end and I just had a shoot of energy go up my spine. Some people listening might be going, this guy's crazy. Well, when, <laughs> when, you, when you open up your energy energy body and you become more receptive and your energy centers are aligned let's call it that they're activated when people speak the truth it pierces through the noise words can't really describe this and you get you get a um, some call this i call this tingles of truth some call it goosebumps whatever you want to call it yeah and i use that exact analogy that you just shared tammy it's beautiful because and when i share it with people they're like oh I always wondered why it was called corpse pose, right? Because that is that is it. Like yoga is asking you to die. The, the little self has to die. You act, You die to the little selves. 
I love what my partner calls it. It's calls it the 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 big T and the small T's. So we have like big truths that you know the, the real truths and the small truths. So you know everyone's perspective is valid. Everybody's having their own unique dream and their own unique experience. It's all valid. But there's also these big T's, right? These big truths that just permeate the very fabric of our being. They, they you don't question them. They're like they're like you know, universal laws of, of truth. And, and yoga is a technology, a, a, a way to really dissolve the veils of the false self. And in order to dissolve the veils of the false self, you've got to die. But if you have just become commercialized in your yoga and think it's cool to walk with a yoga mat and some nice yoga clothing, you may be missing where yoga is inviting you. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, we certainly see that everywhere, and and that's why you know when when you when I talk about the class being can yoga change the world, you know, someone thinks, well, how could doing yoga on a mat change the world, right? So that's the perception, but but it is. It's about the self. Yeah, it's about the self. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so wait, 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 Tammy, just one thing on there as well for maybe people that have heard you say that. Um, how about this? The mat is not a mat. The mat is your arena of life. That's your that's your um, station from which you cultivate your being and then project into the quantum field of nothingness, if you will, the quantum field of infinite potential. And if you don't, you don't have to go on a mat. You don't have to do yoga. I'm not here advocating that everybody does yoga. But if you don't use whatever tool you need to plug yourself into your operating system that you are in control of and it's not in control of you, then you're just going to roll along with a whole heap of realities and dimensions that you are confused about and have no clue what you're doing or contributing to. Yeah. 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 So true. And thank you for saying that because we're not saying that every single person needs to be no. doing yoga, although there's so many benefits, but, but the yoga, the work needs to be done, the yoking somehow um, <laughs> of, of how we do it is going to be different for, for all of us, for sure. But the work yes. needs to be done. Yes. So speaking of work, what? I, okay, in your true confession of the history of, you know, maybe you didn't have the, the greatest start as a, as a teen moving into adulthood. So then you you're on this journey. And then what is it like to try to love and care for yourself with that past? Was it, did you have to get over guilt? Was there shame, right? Was there, or was it, um, right? Was it easy for you, I guess, to em embrace yourself at that point and to kind of move through and to have that part of you? I guess I'm just curious, you know, the process, because I, I think yeah. when we, we do these things and it's not easy, you know, it's not easy. Well, yeah, so I, re I, I, I kind of like re reframing things. And so first of all, like this idea that I had a bad start, right? This, this idea that I had a bad start, I kind of reframed that because, yeah, okay. if you're looking out and go, ah, oh, criminal, that, you know, um, growing up in an environment that is domestic violence and so on, you know, most people go, that's, that's awful. That's a nightmare. Mm -hmm. However... When we're not judging something right and wrong and we're seeing that we all arrive here and get exactly what we need, not what we want, then we get what we need for the potential of growth, evolution and so on. Now, depending on whether we take the, the lessons and depending on whether we see the choices that we have and depending on whether we get to this point of awareness that I've, I'm at to look at it from this state, that's another question. I understand that for people listening, that might be too far away. But now I'm in this position where I am who I am because of everything. So can I look back and say I should have changed it? I wouldn't be experiencing as much joy and bliss and aliveness and ecstasy. Like I was taking ecstasy tablets from the age of, I think, 15. I took my first ecstasy tablet or 15 and a half, maybe 16. I started snorting cocaine around 16 and a half. I believe, 17, something like that. So I was snorting cocaine, taking ecstasy and smoking marijuana and drinking alcohol from, from around 15 onwards. I can't remember exactly. And then I actually realized that for about 13 or more years, I was on drugs and stimulants of some kind. 
Now, it, it changed in velocity at time, you know, like there'd be like in the beginning, it was, you know, and then, but I realized that I was so addicted to the lifestyle, to the, to the ecstasy. I mean, I loved MDMA. MDMA was like the, the drug, in the end, the drug of my choice. Now, you're going to laugh at this maybe. MDMA was my drug of choice because it's ecstasy, right? Supposedly pure ecstasy. But, and I never had any awareness that the MDMA was t- I was taking was activating the natural chemicals that are already inside of me. Mm. And then when I had an awakening, I realized that, oh, I can activate ecstasy. I can activate the endorphins. I can activate the, the, the amazing chemicals that allow me to see life in a completely ecstatic way without taking anything just with breathing, moving, sounding. Like I can, I can touch somebody and hug somebody and hold somebody and I'm getting releasing oxytocin into my body. Oh, oh, so drugs are giving me the oxytocin, but nobody ever told me that I actually have oxytocin in my body and that I can, I can actually tap into it at any time and I don't have to pay for anybody and I don't have to be a criminal, right? It's like, yeah. it's like what? It, what, 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 what did, why do people not ever talk about this, right? Because, <laughs> because nobody knew. So the reason why I share this with you is that now I'm in a natural state of ecstasy and I don't take any drugs and and I don't drink alcohol and I don't smoke marijuana and I I don't, I just, life is the ecstasy, Mm. right? So that's one thing. I don't know if I digress there, but I wanted to bring that in. I love it. It doesn't matter. It was great. Okay. (laughs) Because the reason why I bring this in, maybe some of your students are are out there and exploring with uh, drugs right now or or they're exploring with alcohol and hedonism and and so on. Now, I got hooked on hedonism as a ritual of connection. But deep down, you asked me earlier what I had to go through. So deep down, I had to uncover and realize that all along, even when I was a criminal and I was stealing and I was uh, trying to make money and, and be somebody, deep at the core, I was always seeking connection. Like when we would go out and we would go clubbing and we would take ecstasy, we would come together as community. We would come together as this group of guys and girls that would hang out and get high and, and forget about all the thinking. And we would enter into what Osho would call no mind, right? We would enter into no mind, which meditators would point to as like, you know, the, the void or, you know, the ecstatic states or, um, you know, we would enter into that by taking a tablet and, or, you know, going into a nightclub dancing for hours on end, releasing so much sweat and, and, and adrenaline and f- afterwards feeling so present, so present. But then with an ultimate downer, body feeling completely blasted, um, you know, kind of malnutrition because, you know, you're not eating and you're not taking full care of yourself in that sense. So over time, this ecstasy tablets and these other drinks and alcohols, they start to actually work away or work work you down right but when you have this realization that breath life movement looking at the sea looking at the wonder being the wonder is the fuel is the prana filling you up constantly and you realize wow i'm loved and supported and nurtured and every second every second it's like i'm like constantly tripping on wonder <laughs> Right? <laughs> right? So then what happens is that you start to go, wow, why wouldn't I sit in meditation or, you know, go for a walk in, in a forest or be silent or look into the eyes of another? Because anything that supports me to be present is tapping me into the magic, the majesty of this, this life. That's, uh, yeah, wow. Okay. And, uh, and yes, to all of that and amazingness, but, but the, the main point that I just wrote down, like deep in our core, you, your confession, but I think it's all of us, we seek connection, right? That that's, and I think that's part of, you know, this world online and you and I are talking online and we're on, you know, which is great because we need to be connected. So, so we're like, we'll take anything at this point. What an hour conversation with my friend on zoom. Okay. Because we're so desperate, right? We, and this is why everything happening in this world, this pandemic is, is separating us even more, right? I think we all as a society and as different cultures and as humans, we've, we've, we've got this disconnection 
right, going. That's that's happening for a variety of reasons. And then the pandemic, like, oh my God, now we're really, really separated. And uh, I, it's going to be interesting, I think, as things shift and change. So we know we're moving in the other direction and, you know, we're learning how to to sort of manage these times that we're in. So what, like I go between these ideas of, are we all throwing caution to the wind and are we just going to stand in the middle in a big sweaty hug and it's going to grow and grow and grow and we're not going to care? Or are we going to be afraid to come into the circle and touch each other again or to hug or to be connected because because now we're, we're even that much more afraid of that? Mm. Mm, and it's juicy. So let's 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 unpack that. I mean, there's first of all, there's a lot of layers that we won't be able to unpack fully today. And <laughs> and and I, and I tell you why there's a lot of layers is that we have to. I feel my perception is that it's really important for me that we honor all dreamers of the dream. So there's many different perspectives and. Um, ideas and fears of what's actually happening right now. But the work that I do now is really about deep self-pleasure, self-touch, self-weaving um, the genitals with the heart, connecting our wholeness or, and, and connecting to that place of wholeness in ourselves. Now, when you say, yeah, we're going to just like get desperate some some connection through Zoom. We can we can welcome in the technology for this perk up. Like you and I, I'm I'm really enjoying our conversation from the before we came online, and now me and you are bouncing back and forth, and I'm getting to know you, and it's lovely. I I have been going online for a long time in doing conversations and holding space, but in my reality, as a, in the physical realm, I take care of my energy every single day and have done for mm. 20 years. Um, I don't require anybody outside of myself to be dependent on for me taking care of my energy, first and foremost. Now, if I want touch, I touch myself. And what I'm noticing, the reason why people might be deteriorating in this time of COVID and everything that's going on across the planet is that people don't have self-loving practices. They might masturbate. They might play with themselves for 10 minutes and, and then they're over with after they've ejaculated and got some quick fix. But that's like going on Facebook and looking for a quick dopamine like on your events. Right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm on about deep self-embodiment, self-love, pleasure, being with myself, touching myself, caressing myself and meditating and dropping into the greater self that I am and then taking full responsibility for what my needs are what my what my uh, requirements are in order to be a um, optimum to be an optimum human what does it mean to be optimum yeah what do i and so and then when it comes to people around us so say for example we're in lockdown if we just talk about the current situation because i know in america and certain parts of the globe not where i am but many parts of the globe there's this whole thing about lockdown yeah martial law being put in isolation so how can we support those that are in isolation to start to reconnect to themselves? Well, that's no easy feat, Tammy. Mm. That, that, that's no easy feat because if they're already conditioned and addicted and to certain behaviors, whether that be going out for their connection through certain stimuli or going into certain environments or needing certain um, outside influences to create the reality that they perceive themselves to need, then that's going to cause a hell of a lot of resistance. That's going to create a lot of resistance. And resistance, in my book, is a great opportunity because when we move through the resistance, we reach ecstasy, right? But we have to move through the resistance and we have to be very careful because that takes us out of our comfort zone. And when we step out of our comfort zone, we can go into our learning zone. But if we go too fast out of our comfort zone, we go into our trauma zone. So then we start talking about trauma, right, and uh, mental health. And that's what I mean by Hoy, we're unpacking a whole juicy can <laughs> of beans, right? But, the, but, but within that, what we can talk to maybe people listening today is that we have the power to connect to ourselves in any given moment, and we do not need to give our power over to... Uh, certain energies, let's call it energies, because that's what it all is, 
that don't seem to have our best interests at heart, right? And and that is a very subjective and selective perspective because people, everybody has to check in with themselves. So maybe lastly, Tammy, on this subject is that I feel that this time, like any time, nothing's changed for me in the last few years. This this pandemic is just an outer projection of what's been going on inside of us for many, many years, in my understanding. I'm seeing a massive outer projection of domination, of power, of of corruption, of, you know, mass, mass business. And, um, you know, there's, I mean, there's companies right now making multi-billions of pounds, whilst the average Joe, or I like to call the peasants outside of the castle, are just, are just being locked down and treated like cattle, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a hot, there's so many layers, but what I would like to say, the individual, the, 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 the humans, we as a collective still have power if we question what it means to be sovereign, sovereignty. What does that look like? This is a great question for people listening. What does sovereignty look like in your reality, in your house, in your environment? What can you do to fill your cup up and to come back into the truth of who you are and not get pulled away in a load of false narratives and false beliefs that are actually sucking your energy rather than filling your energy up. Mm. Yes. Amen. We'll just say that. <laughs> it's like mic drop. Yeah. And, and I mean, it is true. Like you, we can squander our energy. We could waste our energy. We could give it away, but yes. But how do you, how do you fill it? And do we, put the time and attention into it. And so, so that self-care is essential, right? We, the self-love and the self-care are, you know, the, the units, it's the crux of, of our being. Immense. Yeah. Immense. yeah. And, 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 you know, nobody ever showed me, I don't know, I don't know about you, Tammy, or anybody listening on this, but nobody ever showed me how to take self-loving care. I don't remember a conversation with my parents or my grandparents or any of my friends or anyone. Yeah, we, yeah, okay. Look after yourself, take care of yourself, become a good person, make sure you've got some money, you know, you need money, look after yourself, you know. Um, but I'm talking about like, like really knowing what our needs are, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I absolutely agree. I feel that you know, we're talking, brush your teeth at night, right? Yeah, Make sure you yeah. eat well, you know, we're, we're giving those basics and they are, those are important. And for people out there, if you're not doing that, that's where you start, right? Cause yeah. we need those basics. Exactly. But beyond that, no one is saying to you, it's okay to take time for you. That's not selfish. That's you taking care of yourself so you can then serve, be better, do your job, whatever it is. We don't talk about that. And so we tend to grow up thinking that it's not it's not what we're supposed to do that I'm supposed to spend time on you and and not and at the cost of time on me right and right. I feel or, guilty yeah or get a relationship and they're going to look after you exactly oh, that's exactly. dangerous you know that's yeah. the ultimate and and you know what comes up for me as well when you say that <laughs> our current society is not designed to have self-loving sovereign beings. It's it's been designed subtly, and again, there's many, many deep layers to this, to have us as slaves. Mm. We are slaves to a system that we, we self-perpetuate and that we've created. I'm not pointing the fingers out and saying this is them and us and the government are up there in the controlling factor with their little things making us do everything. No, we said yes to it all. We acquiesced to it all. So what's happening is that the education systems and everything, you know, not everything because it's changing a lot in the last, you know, uh, 20, 30 years, it's it's designed so that you don't take care of yourself because if you took care of yourself, you would be a free thinker. If you took care of yourself, you'll be a sovereign being. If you took care of yourself and loved yourself, guess what? You wouldn't need the dysfunctional relationship. You wouldn't need the drugs, alcohol, and however many other, uh, you know, 
pharmaceuticals that we are addicted to from, you know, what's it called? Uh, um, you know, the ones for depression and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. Like a self-loving species do not have depression. <laughs> wow. A, a self-loving species does not have obesity. It's like, it's so layered that like you, you, so you start to think, oh, no, this is how it is. No, this is how we've co-created it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's true. It, it is a co-creation. I, I agree. And again, no one is teaching us and, and our kids growing up, you know, again, what are you taught in school? Hygiene, right? That's our self-care. We teach, we teach kids hygiene and, um, you know, and okay. And that's good, right? We do need to learn. That's part of it. That's okay. Take care of that physical body in that way. But yeah, I look at our, our students, you know, at the university when I get to work with students and I, I feel that they, you know, being a college kid is, is your time to be selfish, right? So I think you go in and that's your job, right? You're supposed to get an education. You're supposed to have fun with your friends, right? You're learning. So, so they have that piece, but at, but at a cost, right? They also are not, as we've been talking about, or as you so eloquently pointed out, the refueling of the energy. And so we're, we're missing that piece. And just this weekend, I, I did an, a, a weekend course with students and we spend some time talking about self-care and what that means for us and how it is different things for different people, whether it's, you know, listening to music, whether it's walking in nature, whether it's, I don't know, you know, some people working out that physical sense, whatever it is, everybody has their, their own versions But again, we're not taught how essential those are. They're like luxuries, right? Any of that mm -hmm. thing we think of, e extra time, luxury, something I do if I don't have to do the other things on my to-do list instead of this is the priority, this is the non-negotiable, this is what I need to get through the day as a human. Yeah, I hear you talking about pleasure priority. That's what pops up for me, the word priority. I often say to people when they, they I meet them and I invite them into certain personal practices and a change, as we said earlier, dying, you know, I invite a lot of people to die. And <laughs> um, I guess I've also enjoyed dying. I mean, I enjoy dying now. Yeah, it's like I enjoy like when when somebody mirrors to me something or highlights to me an aspect of myself that hasn't been serving me or behaviors that haven't been working. You know, I always feel the resistance that comes up, but I enjoy the death of them. Because I know that on the other side, there's more ease, more grace, more love, more forgiveness and so on. But just to say that I often meet people and they say, I don't have time for that side. What you're asking me to do is, is put more time and I don't have more time. And I say, mm -hmm. well, it's not true that we don't have more time. Of course, different privileges and different people in different spaces, you know, utilize their time in different ways. But it's not about time, actually, because we all have the same let's say 24 hours, depending on what we've decided to do with our time. It's actually just about priorities. Yeah. So priorities are really key. And this, this again, this is a part of self-love. What is my clear yes and no? We're like, we're, we, we, didn't even teach, we don't even teach our children how to say a clear no. It's like, if you say no, no, don't you say no, you do as you're told. It's like, no, it's a no for them. We don't even treat our children as sovereign beings. We think as adults, We know better for our children. Well, I would like to throw another reframe in. How about our children are our elders and our children mm -hmm. have come to teach us what is needed for the next generations because they actually are more pure and more clean and more refined and more connected to the divine than we are in our dysfunctional agreeance to so much bullshit, excuse my expression. So how about we step back a little bit and look at the purity of our children, most of them that haven't been tarnished from such a young age, and actually let them show us again what it means to be in magic, awe and wonder, what it means to play, what it means to connect to the truth of this moment, what it means to be present and what it means, Tammy, to unconditionally love. If there's any teachers of unconditional love on this planet right now, It's your one-year-old in the pram that's looking at you with the most beautiful meditative eyes you will ever see. So, you know, I'm all about the reframe. And sometimes I say, we've got to flip the pancake, Tammy. We've got it all backwards. And if we flip the pancake, we might start getting a little sense of how it can be. Wow. So true, right? We forget about that. We forget of the, the purity and the innocence of youth. And, and why we get joy watching kids just, just be, right? Because of that, um, the energy, the aura, 
the they don't have to carry the stuff. They're not carrying a backpack full of everything in their life. Right. They're just they're just existing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I can I do have children as you said, you have children. And I and I can't wait for my grandchildren. We're close. We're we're getting to that stage. And uh, I'm excited to now well, you know, you know, there's a, there was a book. Um, uh, it was by Neil Donald Walsh. Walsh, you probably heard of this called "The Conversations of God," right? Yes. And in the Conversations of God, he sort of proposes the the theory or the idea that actually, when we have children, because most people that have children are not even necessarily equipped. Well, we're never ready or equipped, but we're not necessarily able to give the the child the nurture that it needs. So he he was pointing in those books that. Actually, the grandparents should always bring up the children, right? You heard yeah. this, yeah. So. Ooh, ooh, sign me up. I am ready. <laughs> no, I'll, send, um, I'll send you my next one. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, it's been a while. Mine are, mine are old now, so it's been a while. I'm ready. But uh, but I want to also thank you um, for bringing up the, the, the time and the priority. And that is one thing my husband and I often have that conversation, right? In the fitness world, as a, as a fitness professional – I'll be in the grocery store and someone will say to me, oh, oh my God, I haven't been to the gym. I'm sorry. I haven't been to your class. I don't have time. And I don't, you know, people, it's true confessions. And what is everyone's excuse? It's always time. And, and it is true that we all have the same amount of time in a day and it's all what your priority is. And for me, like, like the movement piece and, and getting that time to myself has always been important. So that's how I start my day. Because yeah. I know if I start my day that way, there's no excuses and nothing's going to get in the way. Because I also, I loved being a mother and I wanted to be present and fully there and and I work. And so how do you make it all work? Well, I would get up with enough time to care for myself before I care for others, right? So mm-hmm. I I got to choose. I got to control my my day, my routine. And I just think that, you know, these things that are hard, it's easy to not make them a priority because we don't want to work on it. So it's easier to just say we don't have time than to actually put in the work. Yeah. And, and actually we got a little caveat here. Yeah. Cause we could talk, we, you and I could talk for days. So let's just, let me, <laughs> we probably need, you know, but just tell me, just lead me wherever you want to lead me in sense of today's talk. But I just want to like, how about this as well? Just as you were speaking, I was listening and you're talking about, okay, I, I visualize this person in the store, seeing you feeling a little bit like, Oh God, I feel guilty that I haven't been to this class. Right. All of a sudden, they're already out of self-love in that moment because they're mm-hmm. they're guilty, they're blaming themselves, and they're creating up a make-believe narrative that isn't 100% true, right? So if we did a re- reframe to that and we brought in this self-love that everybody is the creator of their reality from the perspective that they have the choice to uh, respond or react to life situations, right? Like life happens, some things we're definitely out of our control, but we most of the time, 90% of the time, have the choice of how we react or respond. So if they, if people started to take full responsibility and actually just owned that they don't want to go to the gym right now, and actually what they are doing is what they want to give their priority to, mm-hmm. then that would change the very fabric of their being. That would ease the stress on their back. That would take away the shame and the guilt. And all of a sudden they would own, oh, actually, I don't want to go to the gym right now. I want to do this, this, and this. And because it switches them into a different category of responsibility, it's also easier to change that if they want to, because they now own that they're taking full responsibility for this. You see this? It's a different reframe. Love it. But it's hard to get them to do that. So I've had people, I'll never forget, this was years ago. And this woman who would come to my class all the time and and I ran into her somewhere and she was like, I got to tell you, I got a new mattress and I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. And I said to her, oh my God, I am so happy for you. Like it means your body needs sleep and you are taking care of yourself in exactly the right way that you need to. We're still there in the morning when you can finally get out of bed. And it was just like you're saying, just owning it and the truth and the truth of it. And it just made me smile. And it and it is like, you know, you don't have to feel guilty. It, sometimes your body doesn't need to go to the gym, right? And we say that, but yeah, it, it's all about listening to your body. And, and if sleep was your priority, sleep is huge. Oh my God, it's huge in self-care. So yeah. we don't, we don't ever want to tell someone you should be not sleeping and you should be in the gym, you know? You well, no, to- well, yeah, no, no shoulds actually. Like actually the, 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 the dance is to, there's no shoulds, right? Like this is another thing. How about this? Often what we do, especially in the self-development world and the sort of progress world, which is now one of the biggest industries in the world, we must not, we must not bypass this. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, 
telling people how they should and shouldn't be because there's money in it, right? There's business in it. Mm. So there's business in the spiritual development world. There's business in the self-development world. There's big business in bettering ourselves, right? Becoming the best. So we have to be very mindful of how we play in these arenas too. So are we supporting others to realize they're already whole, they're already complete, they're already miracles, they're already divine expressions of life force, God, whatever you want to call it. They're already enough. Now, with that awareness of your enoughness, you don't necessarily need to read more books or do more things or do anything. You're enough. But what happens in order to even access that place of enoughness, there's certain conditioning, beliefs, behaviors and habits that will have to die, which is difficult for the individual who's being programmed, right? It's like trying to wipe out the virus on your computer and you don't have the right ability to do it. And you think you've got the virus off and you deleted it from a few places and then you realize it's still functioning in the background, right? That's what it's like. It's like a virus inside of us. I call it the the pain body, the emotional wound, whatever you want to call it. So then we go into these parts of ourselves that are telling us, oh, we're not whole. We're not complete. Okay, so that needs a little bit of work. We need a little bit of nurture there. We need some support and help for that, right? We might need a, a therapist. We might need a trauma-informed uh, therapist. We might need to go and do some classes, some yoga, whatever. That's required at that point. But from that deeper awareness or greater awareness that we are whole and complete. Now, what that does for me, that trans uh, that changes the way that we even start to communicate and and the the programs that we create and all this other stuff also then has another different way of um engaging does this make sense yes yes uh, thank you so that statement you are already whole and complete enough and i don't think people hear that enough believe that enough and are told that enough right. i think like you're saying we see the especially with social media and and the you know the markets out there and the businesses and the money it's it's how to make yourself complete right we're always in this search instead of yeah there's things that we can add there's things that we we need to work on but but we're already already complete and enough right right here and yeah, I just hope that, I mean, I appreciate you saying that and I hope people are really listening because I think that that is a really big statement right there. Right. And so we can we can linger there just for a tiny bit longer because it is very rarely fully embodied because we, we were born into the story of imperfection. Mm. We're told from some, such a young age that we're imperfect. Now, again, as anybody listening now knows that I just like to flip things around. So I'm a word. I love to play with words. So imperfect says if you split the I and the M, it says I'm perfect. It says I'm perfect. Oh, my God. I've never looked at that before. And it now I'm really mad at myself. <laughs> it doesn't say you're imperfect. It says I'm perfect. So if we listen to the word. Right. So check this out. You'll love this. Words are energy. Words are spells. Everything is a spell within the dream, the dream spell. We're in the collective reality, consensus realities that you and I might agree to. There's many of them playing out all at once in this beautiful cosmic canvas of creation, right? So the words, when it comes to self-love, we've got to go back to the basics of the words we're using. How are we using words to create our reality and to communicate to every cell of our 60 to 70 to 75 trillion cells of information transmitters and receivers. So when we're saying things like, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, my bum is so much, it's just this horrible bum. It's not as nice as the bum that I love over there in the picture. Oh, I just, I hate myself. You know, I just don't like myself. And uh, uh, oh, God, I'm never going to be successful. I mean, oh, I'm so stupid at this. I'm stupid at that. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot, right? We are constantly sculpting who we are energetically through these word spells. Yes. Yes and yes. And I, I agree. And it also, it feels heavy when you talk about it because you hear people say it all the time. It's one of the things that, that we talk about on this and it's, and it actually is leading me to like the final question I always Woo. ask everybody, Woo! Yeah, which, is, which is, um, and I, and I know, I, I think I know you now because we've talked for 54 minutes. Um, and I feel like I know you, but you know, are you good at being your own best friend is what I normally ask. And so yeah. I'm going to have you answer that. But part of that is 
you know, we don't treat ourselves the way we treat a best friend or a friend. And that, and, and it really comes down to the talk that you're speaking of, right? You would never look at your friend, your partner, whoever, and say, you're an idiot. You're stupid. That was horrible, right? When they come to you for advice, but but yet, just yeah. like you're saying, that's how we that's how we treat ourselves, right? That's what we're saying to ourselves. So so I guess I'm going to ask you, Simon, how are you, and are you good at being your own best friend? Yeah, beautiful question. Thank you. So my day started today with sitting in silence and then playing with myself in a way that is what we call go touch yourself. It's a, it's a, it's a self-pleasure training that we share with the world. And it, it, it comprises of uh, breath, movement, sound, touching the whole body, caressing myself, including the genitals, if that's what wants to be touched and caressed, because most practices exclude the genitals as if they're some sort of dirty part of our body. It's an inclusion of our wholeness. And my, you could say my, personal practice for over 20 years is what I call the golden hour. And the golden hour is the hour that you wake up in the morning and it's what you do as soon as you get out of bed, how that correlates to the rest of your day. So I 99.9% of the time implement writing journal, meditation, movement, hit training, or not anymore so much now, but in the beginning, many years ago, it was the gym. I used to go to the gym first thing in the morning. Now I practice yoga, sun salutations, this uh, self-pleasure practice. Now, still to this day, Tammy, because people go, oh, yeah, it's great for you. It's easy. No, still to this day, after all these years of re- rewiring myself in this way, I was a, I was a personal trainer for seven years. I, I taught people how to uh, uh, train them in the gym. Yeah, Even today. There's old aspects of my behavior that wants to go onto social media first thing in the morning, check my emails, um, uh, avoid doing the practices and coming up with some scenario why it's not worth doing. Yeah. Coming up with a scenario why it's not worth doing, etc. And every time I witness this and I observe and I go, ah, which part of me is trying to get life right now. And that part that wants to avoid the opportunities to plug into the love, to plug into who I really am, is just that old self trying to get itself alive again. Yeah, because it doesn't want to fully die. And then so when I notice that part of myself, I don't get in a conflict and fight it. I give it what it's looking for. It's it's always looking to be loved. The part of ourself that wants to avoid, keep us separate, uh, create bad habits, go and try to get fed on social media or get some sort of instant gratification, just wants to be loved. So Rumi, I will leave you with this maybe, as Rumi is one of the most beautiful uh, quotes of Rumi that I love, and I never, I don't think I ever say it word perfect to Rumi, but is that, you know, we are already love and our job is to just seek the barriers the blockages that we have plastered on ourselves that have hid us from who we truly are. We already love. The work is to uncover the barriers, the false beliefs, the lies that are telling us we're not. And it needs nothing, nothing else after that at all. Wow, Simon, this has been far more than I could have even anticipated. I thank you for giving this podcast a chance for, for meeting me from, from a Facebook message, which thank God we do check social media every so often <laughs> to, um, yes, every day <laughs> to, uh, to just being open to have this conversation when you had no idea what, what I was really going to ask you about or have, have conversation about. So I thank you for your trust and your openness. And I think you've really shared some really powerful things um, that I hope our listeners fully listen to, right? It's we, we listen to podcasts like we do the rest of our life. It's while we're doing a thousand other things. So I hope they slow down and really take this one in because there's some really, some really good stuff in here. So my gratitude to you. Thank you so much. Well, 
Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to this week. And Simon Paul Sutton, I cannot thank you enough for giving us your time. And I am so grateful. As always, we have another exciting episode for you next week, friends. So please make sure you tune back in. We are coming back local to my friend, uh, Sarah McDonough-Civitello, who is an athletic trainer at Quinnipiac University. I adore spending time with her. She is one of my, my people, and I say that in quotes, locally. So make sure you're stopping back next week to Living Well While Living Online, a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. It is a pleasure for me to be your host. My name is Tammy Riley, and a big shout out and thank you to the team to Michael Bachman, the producer, David DeRoche, executive producer, Heather Popovics, who does social media, and Scott Holmes for the theme music. And to learn more about our podcasts, please visit qu.edu slash podcast. You can listen to all of our podcasts on the platform or app of your choice. And you can check us out on Twitter or Instagram at qupodcasts. Feel free to send us an email at qupodcast at qu.edu. So until next week, my friends, be intentional, breathe deep, and learn to be your own best friend. Thank you.